Lord have mercy, look at how the time goes. And welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am, of course, your humble host, John Allen. And today I have a long distance guest by uh, Messenger Video Chat. His name is Matthias Bergström Andersen, coming from Denmark. <laughs> Hello, mister. Hi. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's a beautiful day over here in Norway, across the water from Denmark. Yeah, yes, well, summer is beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and and I have to say, um, now I am very fluent in Norwegian. I'm very proud of that. But I have trouble understanding Danish. It's of course, as people know, it's a Scandinavian language, so it's very similar. But you guys are way on the far end of the spectrum of my understanding. Really? Now is that my fault because I hear wrong, or is that your fault for talking wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. We have a lot of uh, immigrants coming from uh, like Middle East and Asia, and yeah. they describe speaking Danish like talking with a, a warm baked potato in their mouth. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what my wife says. My wife says that Danes sound like they're speaking Norwegian while they're choking on a potato. <laughs> Maybe that's true. I mean, they are similar languages, but yeah. I mean, us Danes, we have no idea what Norwegians say either. Really? I so mean, you... all I remember, I, I, was, I was on a ski trip uh, back in school. Like, all I remember them saying from being there, that was the, hey, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys have as much problems understanding Norwegians as Norwegians have problems understanding you guys. I see. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand people very well, but that's the only uh, combination of words that was the hey do that, that <laughs> I remember them saying. And um, th that sounds like a really fucked up way of saying hi. And like, that's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> now, how about, how about Swedish? How does, uh, do you understand Swedish very well? Uh, I know, yeah, uh, bro. And uh, that's all, almost it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I so, so no, like they, they are very, very close uh, connected. Uh, Denmark, Sweden, and Norwegian, and uh, Germany, and yeah. maybe even Finland a little bit. But I have no idea what any of them no, are saying. No, like, yeah. no idea. Yeah. Well, so be it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you are a um, an up and coming, or how do we say this? You are a new beginner in the online training industry. Am I right? I guess you could say that. Yeah. Now, uh, do, do you have a focus on powerlifting clients or are your clients from a broad spectrum of training styles? I, I would say a combination because actually I was taught how to powerlift uh, by a Danish, legend, uh, legendary power, Danish legendary powerlifter yeah? uh, who is actually the only person in Denmark um, to deadlift over 300 kilo without a belt. Not uh -huh. to say he was the only one who could have done it, but he was the only one who has actually uh, chosen to do it in a competition. Okay. And, uh, like, I, I learned a lot from him. And, uh, but What's his I'm, name? I'm not ex... I'm Carsten Larsen. Carsten Holm Larsen. Okay. Uh, they call him uh, Dozer and Viking and... Uh, the Dozer. Uh, Dozer Viking. The Dozer Viking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Dozer Check out... <laughs> find the Dozer Viking online, people. Check him out. <laughs> There isn't a lot of him, but if you search him, then you might find his uh, Danish championship uh, competition um, in 1996. And you might even find a few training videos where I'm in and we are fooling around and flipping plates and okay. doing yeah. like uh, finger wrestling uh, <laughs> type stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and you say that the Danish uh, powerlifting championships in 1996? 
Yeah. Okay, that's going back a ways. Uh, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, so you can just type in dozer with a with a C like a bulldozer. Mm-hmm. And uh, D O Z E R. Yeah. Yeah, and the Danish uh, championship 1996. Okay. It will come. Okay, check that out on YouTube, folks. Yeah. Okay, so that's where you got. So you got uh, you got coaching. You got instruction from somebody who really knew what they were doing then, the best in the game at that time in Denmark. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. Least, um, There's not a lot of people who can say that. I I truly believe that proper instruction from the beginning is. Uh, it's worth its weight in gold. I was lucky enough to get into uh, lifting weights as a very young person. I was It was in my pre-teens, and it was in combination with American football, and all of my coaches, uh, were, were they knew what they were doing when it came to lifting weights. So I've had that, that, uh, that, that proper instruction from the very beginning, and it sounds like you had something similar uh, with the Danish dozer. Kinda. I mean, uh, I went to the gym actually because I'd had uh, lower back pain for like a year and a half, and uh, I wasn't oh, wow. uh, like, yeah, it turned out to be sciatica. Uh, and how, I mean, how old were you then? Think so. How old were you then? Almost 20 years old. Isn't that like, a bit- I, I just kept training and banging my head against the wall. <laughs> like, it's like the harder I can train, like uh, the, the better it is in my mind. Like even to this day, I still kind of think that way. No, no, isn't that kind of young to have back problems in your, you know, in your early twenties like that? Well, uh, I mean, I've, I've, all, like, I was a kid the first time I had uh, some type of uh, dif- discomfort or even pain in my back, to be honest. Okay. Because I played a lot of video games. So. Ah, there we go. There's always a reason. Yeah. A yeah. Lot of time. Okay. Yeah. So you talk about um, you talk about just kind of training through the injury now you're not a you're not a typical meathead are you i mean you're gonna think you, and you're gonna train proper correct you're not just gonna you're not gonna bulldoze <laughs> your way through your training right you're gonna think a little you're gonna apply the proper principles correct uh, i like to think so but uh, like i mean those who know me might not always agree like sometimes they disagree <laughs> that uh, like I, I do have that kind of meathead mentality that uh, that kind of like the more heavy work the better but uh-huh. I've, I've uh, been moving away, away from that at uh, like reading the books and uh, listening to people and uh, yeah. searching advice from different people and I mean and, and I, I like to think a lot yeah and, and that's a good thing because I think having a thinking uh, man's perspective to training that will provide you with the longevity that you need um, you're still yeah. pre- you're still pretty young how old are you now 26 years old 26 so you're you're a little more than half my age I'm 50 and still mm-hmm. getting stronger and I believe the key to me continuing to get stronger is my cerebral my thought process my cerebral um attitude towards training uh yeah i I try to be a monster in the gym but i try to be a thinking monster (laughs) yeah i mean exactly like you want to do crazy shit but you can't do it all the time exactly exactly so what kind of a training philosophy do you have when it comes to programming how does that match up with trying to be an absolute beast in the gym because programming well, you, equal, programming equals planning and thought, correct? Yeah, I mean yeah. that's a very very open question. Before we get too deep into that, I want to backtrace a little bit. Okay, yeah. Uh, where you said before that, that uh, I talk about training through injuries, I just want to make sure that everyone is uh, 
caught up to what that means in this context. The way I talk about it is you don't want to do it. Like sometimes you can in certain ways. Yeah. If you have bad pain, do not do it. Like John, John and I know it. So, yeah. so like, I just want to make sure everyone else does as well. That, that's a good point. That's a good point. You know, yeah. uh, like I say, I try to be a monster in the gym, but I want to be a thinking monster. And a good example yeah. is exactly what I'm going through now. I've had a series of rather serious shoulder operations, especially the last shoulder operation, which of course has made it impossible for me to directly train shoulders and impossible for me to bench press. So I have to train around that. In other words, I have a physical therapy um, mm-hmm. program to take care of my shoulder, but other than that, I'm still making gains in my deadlift and in my squat. So, yeah. yeah. You told me that you had, had some muscles removed from your shoulder. I mean, I didn't even think that uh, was something that they do anymore. I have had so many tears in in my um, supraspinatus and infraspinatus. I don't know what that is in English. <laughs> they can think, they, uh, yeah, whatever. Supraspinatus and infraspinatus. Figure that out in English. I've had so many tears and operations on that that they have, especially my infraspinatus. Just to explain, the infraspinatus is the muscle that goes from your shoulder blade and around to the front, uh, to the side, kind of the front of your shoulder. That tendon is completely gone it's completely atrophied so that yeah so that what they have done is take an achilles tendon not my achilles tendon but an achilles tendon from a donor and sewn that in in my lower trapezius and connected it to the front side of my shoulder so that is supposed to give me more stability support and give me that outward rotation movement back it hasn't happened yet i'm still going through intensive physical therapy but uh, in the long term it's supposed to give me that outward rotation but my days of big benching are over so it's it is a this is a new i'm the only patient in norway to have had that particular operation done. I'm kind of like a, an experiment. So, oh, yeah, but with that... That does not sound good. Well, but you know, I was just going to say, I think it's very good. It's, I, think it, it, it's exci- oh, I think it's exciting. I am one who is constantly trying to better myself in all ways, but in this context, in, physically. I'm trying to better myself physically. I'm trying to get stronger. And the fact that my shoulder is messed up, of course, you can first look at that as a terrible thing, but the cool part of it comes in when I know that I am the only patient in Norway who has had that operation. I have tight contact with my surgeon and with the physical therapist, and they are watching me. They are guiding me and watching to see how I do in my recovery process. That is a lot of responsibility, but I love it. I love it. It is a challenge. It's a huge challenge for me, but I love it. It's like a kind of adventure of sorts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to be the guy who has that challenge of getting my mobility and strength back in my shoulder. Basically, my shoulder does not function at all the way it is right now. So the challenge is to get Mm. it to function, and that is a huge challenge. And that challenge for me means growth, mental, emotional, and physical growth. Yeah, I'm sure it is mostly mental. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. because in the, in the scope of things, if you look at, you know, um, that small little tendon, that small little Achilles tendon that they've put in is such a small part of my body. Uh, but the challenge is probably the biggest challenge that I'm currently going through 
uh, for the last year. That operation was in May of 2019, and that has been the number one focus in my daily life is to train this shoulder up to functionality. Huge challenge, huge mental challenge. Okay, so as a powerlifter, would you say that your your main focus is to improve your squat and deadlift, or is your main focus to improve your your shoulder functionality? You know, I would say that my main focus is twofold. In other words, it's both of those things equally. Mm. I want my shoulder. Well, how do I put this? For my day to day life, forget about powerlifting. For my day to day life my number one goal is to get my shoulder back because I'm in constant pain. Um, oh. Yeah, the pain is incredible. I can't even describe it. And I have a fear of strong painkillers, opiates. I don't want to touch them. So I'm not medicated for my pain. I'm just getting through it. So in my day-to-day -day life, that's my biggest challenge. Now, if we go over to powerlifting, as I said earlier, I know I'm never going to have a big bench again. But uh, one of the benefits of getting older is that I am now in the Masters 2 class. You know, the old guys, <laughs> 50 and mm -hmm. above. And I want to, I would like to think that I have a big enough squat and deadlift to compensate for having like maybe in the future, a hundred kilo bench so that I can be competitive on the world stage. That's my, that's, that's my powerlifting goal is to make myself competitive yeah. on the world stage and get back to competition. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense since uh, we are seeing a lot of people as they get old, like there's usually like at least one joint they have problems with. So, yes, I mean, all you really need is to get far, get far enough with your squat and deadlift that, Whoever you have to beat, they have a shitty bench also. Exactly. And if you think yeah. about it, a bench is not going to win. In general, a bench is not going to win a powerlifting yeah. competition. That's the least, that's the smallest number in your three lift total. So I'm not stressed yeah. out when it comes to that. I just need to get back to a point to where I can, you know, right now I, I couldn't even bench the bar, which is only 20 kilos, as you and I know. I probably couldn't even do that right now. So my goal is to just get to a point where I can do that so I can get back on the powerlifting platform. I miss it. I miss competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure you do as a, as a person who wins. I mean, I've not won a single competition and, I, and I, I was bored as hell being there, to be honest. But you know what? You know my thought. Tell me what you think of this. I think that, of course, it's cool to win championships. It's cool to set records and all that stuff. But I am in a constant battle with myself. I want to lift more than I did at the last competition. That is my first and number one goal in powerlifting is to always lift more than I did the competition before. You know, the competitors, they can do what they want. And of course I enjoy a, a competition, but number one goal is to lift better than I did previously. What do you think of that? Or well, I'm probably going to piss off a lot of people right now. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Let's have some controversy. Uh, because uh, I don't give a shit about self-betterment on competition day. Not, not for me. Like, I can get better in the gym. Like, if I squat 200 kilo, like, I, I haven't actually done that because of excuses and a bad knee and a meathead mentality. <laughs> but, but let's say one day I do it. Well, if I haven't done it before, I'm, I'm better. I don't need to go to a competition to do it. If I squat 205 kilo, well, that's a five kilo improvement regardless of where I am. I mean, I see. You know, if, so, I mean, the definition of, a competi of competing is to do better than everyone else, at least try to. So the way I see it, if, if I have no chance at all of winning gold, 
Like, of course, you, you don't always know who's going to show up. That's but true. With what notice I have, I know, like, there's no fucking chance. Like, several other guys would have to get injured for me to even get bronze. Okay. Like, why, why would I show up? Like, I can be there in the audience. I can have fun with if I know people there. Like, I can watch and I can... Yeah. Like after someone has competed, I can go and ask them questions if I want to, but uh-huh. I don't have to compete to do any of that. I don't have to compete to be there and have fun. Well, in, like, well, in, in, a, in a way, you and I kind of have a matching way of thinking, because as I said, my first goal is to always lift better than I previously did, and that is done in the gym. That work is done in the gym. But there's also yeah. a big part of me that has that... that um, desire to compete against other lifters and you just don't you don't you don't feel that at all you know that's that's another thing i'm going to piss off people by saying (laughs) the idea that in the gym at training you should never compare yourself to anyone else and you should never compete with anyone but yourself that's absolute fucking horseshit for almost every single person in the gym or even on earth okay how so what do you mean if you have big goals, then you want to surround yourself by people whose mere presence would want you, or would make you want to be better. Absolutely. Like, you, you can push yourself so far, yeah, that's right, but uh, what if you have a cup of coffee? Like, what, what that does to you is it makes you a little bit up, more up, it makes you a little bit more focused, if you are focused already. Like, it's the same with everything else. Put on a song that motivates you, yeah, you actually become even more motivated yeah. even if you were already motivated as fuck to begin with. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you use that from, from the people around you as well? That's a very good point. I, in general, especially these days with the, with, uh, <laughs> the quarantine and all that stuff, I, in general, I train alone. I don't have a training partner, so to speak, but I do have a crew of friends who train at the same time as I do. And I, always have better training sessions when they're there yeah you know i i i none of them are stronger than me so i don't have that stronger lifter at the gym to try and catch up to i don't have that but i do have that vibe of motivation that i pick up on from my friends who are at the training center at any given time absolutely yeah i don't care if someone can only lift like 50 kilos so long as they push themselves well i can tell you uh, the the the, the mm. amount of weight that my motivators lift means nothing to me uh i, I can give you a great example my mm. number one motivator is a tiny little norwegian woman by the name of hagen nielsen um if you see that's ed cohen's girlfriend that's ed cohen's lady yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, she, she is my absolute best friend. I've known her for 25 years Mm -hmm. and she, um, when we first met now, back then I was a bodybuilder. This was like in 1996, 97, something like that. I was a bodybuilder at that time. And she always used to tell me, John, you should try powerlifting. And I just wasn't interested, wasn't interested at all. So it wasn't until I came here to Norway. In fact, I'd been here in Norway for a long time. It was in 2015 that I'd had my first powerlifting competition in Norway. And Hege has always been the motivator behind my training. So if I mm. tag tiny little coach, a hashtag tiny little coach on my training videos, that's her. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And she's, uh, she's a tiny little midget of a woman. She's, uh, you know, everyone has this, this idea that Norwegian women are these tall blonde, uh, 
No, but she's not. She's very short and she's uh, she's dark haired. So uh, shout out to Hagen yeah. Wilson. No, but so so and you know she's just a tiny little woman. But there's something about her being there when I train that motivates the heck out of me. Um, she's Ed's uh, woman. They're they're uh, living there in Chicago. But Hagen spends about half of her time, roughly, uh, here in Norway. So when she's here, we train together. And uh, that's okay, what, why does she? Uh, what's she doing in uh, Norway? Like how to you? Well, her mother. Her mother still lives here, so she has mm -hmm. a lot of contact with her mother and uh, stays with her mother when she's here in Norway. Yeah. Okay. Family. So it comes. Uh, so it he stays in America and she comes to uh, Norway. He's yeah. Uh, he's yeah. The time apart. Yeah. In general. Yeah. In general. Now he has. Uh, he was here in Norway last. What was it? Last summer. He did a seminar at a strongman competition here in Norway, and then he was here in Norway quite some years before that. But in general, Hage comes, Ed does his thing, and Hage is here with her mother. Family, you know, okay. family. Yeah, family is important. So, so they sure. say. Now, some people's family is getting on their dog on nerves these days, but in general, family is important. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think it's fucking. I'm not speaking it, for it myself. <laughs> awful and hilarious to see all the people complaining about having to spend so much time with the family because of the Corona situation. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you choose a lot of your family, so yes, yeah. So, so uh, how about that? <laughs> no, I can, I can. Uh, in in all seriousness, I I I've been having a great time. I feel. Um, this last month I've gotten closer to my wife I and mean, we, we spend a lot of time together already so that my wife and I get to spend even more time together. Uh, you know, that's just a good thing. I'm also enjoying being more involved with my children's schoolwork. You know, they're sitting at home online doing their lessons online with their teachers, which puts me more in the swing of things when it comes to their schoolwork. So I, I'm enjoying myself. And, you know, like you say, you choose your family. So, um, don't get mad at your family if you're going crazy. Now get mad at yourself for making the wrong choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it's a family, like a part, a significant other, or something like that, you chose it. You chose I it. Mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can also you you can have friends you are not related to, but they're so good friends you consider them family. Like yeah, you can just go live with them. I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You 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 have responsibilities and opportunities and choices you can make for yourself. Quit whining on social media. Yeah. If, oh, if yeah. I ever have, if I ever have a girlfriend and she whines on social media, uh, forced to, to spend more time with my family, me, um, like, yeah. uh, just gonna kick her out, go out and die of <laughs> Corona or something. I mean, <laughs> so if it gets, respect me or fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you, are you, you have a girlfriend, right? Or are you married? No. No, I, I mean it's hard for me to find a girlfriend because oh, yeah. I'm so blunt. Because you're so <laughs> you're too too much for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> say say it that way. Don't say you're too blunt. Say you're too much for the ladies. <laughs> they can't handle this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I go to go clubbing and say that. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a try. <laughs> now, what, what are the things? Hey, my name is Matthias. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm single because I'm too much for the ladies. There you go. What Try, that. Tonight. <laughs> Try that. <laughs> yeah, but don't they like a bad boy? Don't the ladies like a bad boy? So if you come off kind of arrogant and straightforward like that, then they might like it. They might like it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say when I go out and, uh, I mean, it's not that uncommon for me to uh, be called a Viking and sometimes even Hercules and stuff like that because I'm so tall and uh -huh. I'm not so skinny, you know. And How tall so, are so, you? Yeah, there's plenty of 
188 centimeter, six foot two. Okay. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm just a little guy. Pretty easy to get attention, but uh, it's not always the attention that one might want to have. <laughs> That's true. Well, I'm just yeah. a little guy. I'm being here in Scandinavia. I notice my shortness. I am uh, 174 centimeters, five foot eight, and that's pretty short for for Scandinavia. You're you're pretty heavy though, aren't you? Yeah, I'm uh, right now. I'm around. I'm somewhere between 130 and 135. I haven't weighed myself, uh, but I'm on my way down. I, I I had ballooned up to 148 kilos with all these with all these operations going on. That's just too heavy. I just wasn't meant to be yeah. that heavy. A more natural solid weight for me is around 116 kilos. Well, that's what that's what I weighed when I came to Norway. So I'm on my way down from 148. I'm probably around 130, yeah. 132 right now. Yeah, I remember being 116. It's pretty fun. Like right now, I've gained weight up to 110 kilo. A lot of it is bloat because uh, during the the Corona thing, yeah, I just felt like I needed to fucking unwind from everything. So I took like a, a month to do like fewer hard sessions, uh, training sessions, and I, I just kind of ate whatever I, I wanted to because I just I just needed to unwind. Like I see. My joints, my mind, everything feels a lot better now, so I really needed it. Yeah. Um, but but I was up to like 123 kilos, actually, because I was in chronic pain for over a year. Okay, wow. Yeah, from that yeah. back injury, right? Well, I did feel uh, that my thoracic spine separated from my lumbar spine, but actually the, the pain came from a, a digestion problem. Oh, okay. It turns out not a single fucking person anywhere near where I live knows about uh, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. And that can like, be irritable bowel... and say, I have pain here and no one knows, so it took me a long time to find out. So, so, like, irritable, yeah, so irritable bowel syndrome can affect your spine? Well, it, it can make your... It can, it can pull on your muscles because your, your, your intestines, uh, like the muscles around the in intestine, yeah. becomes tight and it can actually pull on your psoas. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, the psoas, of course, yeah. yeah. Shout out to so David like, Goggins, yeah. who talks about the importance of the psoas muscle. That muscle right there, I tell you. Uh, David Goggins is insane. Oh, in he's, a good way. he's an animal. Oh, that guy. <laughs> There's people who pay him to move in and live with them. I wish I had that kind of money. I'd just let that guy move in with me yeah, for a month. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but but like, yeah. I would, I would move in. I would, if someone wanted to pay me to move in with them, I would say yes. That's fine to do. Free food, you know, like, free food. <laughs> That too, but like, what a fucking job to have. Absolutely. Yeah, that psoas muscle is extremely important. That is yeah. the, that. I don't, I don't have a back injury per se, but there was a time a couple years ago where I started to be very sore in my lower back. And then mm -hmm. I actually think it was from videos from David Goggins that I got the idea to actually loosen up that psoas muscle. I did that, and within two days, my yeah. back pain was gone. But the when you think about the mechanics of the body and where yeah. the psoas is, what it's connected to, of course it's going to lead to lower back problems if it's tight. Yeah, and, exactly. It's the lower, the, lower, the lower abdominal muscles and the, yeah. the psoas major, the iliacus, the adductors. I mean, 
everything yeah people think you can fucking do involves yeah. the muscles around your hip your front hip yeah. and it's so so it's it's not necessarily a back problem it, it is a imbalance in your muscular uh, system that leads to the back problems for yeah. those of you who are listening and don't really know what we're talking about go in and google psoas muscle that's p-s yeah. as in sam o-a-s as in sam p-s-o-a-s psoas look it up people psoas major yeah psoas major yeah check it out people and see what that muscle does for you or against you depending on how healthy it is and by yeah, healthy, you, you I mean, might feel something and, and then feel like something is tight or loose or something and you're in your lower abdominals it might actually be your source major or it might be both of them being connected and not really coordinating uh, probably yeah but yeah. yeah actually like if anyone has a lower back uh, pain like there's a very high chance that it has absolutely nothing to do with a weakness in the lower back or tight muscles in the lower back like is this generated from like the psoas or the the calf muscle the the the, the butt cheek muscles yeah the glutes yeah, you know and yeah, uh, yeah. even yeah. your fucking neck it, it come from there i mean yeah well i can tell you with, with these shoulder problems that i have it's amazing what that has done to to my to my whole body i mean i'm talking from my head down to my feet if you think about it think about the mechanics of the shoulder um if you if you, when you walk what do your arms do your arms swing well with these yes. shoulder problems my my left arm isn't swinging the way it used to so it's changed the way i walk um and then because i always have to support that left arm when i sit it's causing me to sit different which is then causing Damn. things to be misaligned and so it's it's yeah it's a challenge it's a challenge just, just the walking without even swinging in, in itself i mean yeah. like a lot of people don't know it but even the, the compression uh, force on your spine like you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't think about compression but it becomes uneven well yeah you absolutely yeah and since yeah. all the, since this last surgery i had in may i've bought a um have you seen those yoga swings you hang them up in the ceiling and then you can uh, uh they use it for they call it air yoga uh the, you know these like a sex swing yeah well, I, I, you know what my dirty mind my dirty mind that is what i thought i'm like man that that looks like a sex swing but it's actually <laughs> it's actually a yoga swing and you can hang of in it of course it is of course it is and I'm so, now my, the real me is revealed now okay people i bought a sex <laughs> swing and uh no it, it is called a yoga swing and 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 you can hang in it you can invert you know hang upside down and i have put that into play in order to decompress my spine, decompress my hips. You can even mm -hmm. decompress your knees by hanging upside down in this thing. And really? oh yeah, absolutely. But it's all in how you wrap the straps around your hips or your legs or your back. Um, it's uh, it's a great piece of equipment. Just check out, uh, for those of you who are listening, check out Yoga Swing. Uh, do it on YouTube and then you can see exactly how it's used. Or you can go to Pornhub and check out <laughs> Porn swing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was what I was thinking, and then you said it. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty man! You dirty man! You. Yeah, hey, but don't tell my mama. Uh, what's her number? <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you. What are some of the challenges you face as an online trainer? Because online training is something that's quite different from face-to-face person-to-person training i'm not saying it's better or worse but some what are some of the challenges you see 
Well, one challenge is that a lot of people seem to think that face-to-face trading is uh, better, even though it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And uh, when I ask them why, they don't really know. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that, that's always the convince, kind of the part where I have to convince people. And uh, Well, a lot of people really, are kind of locked into what, they, what the conventional uh, consensus is, you know, and they're going to automatically think, well, it's better if it's yeah. face-to-face. Yeah, that's true. And uh, like, I'm the opposite of that. So it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge for me, uh, uh, online coaching wise, like uh, not a lot of people talk about how hard it is to uh, like build the business and uh, like how much of a salesperson you have to be. But yeah. I mean, that is a part of it. And sure. it's hard. Um, personality. Uh, but yeah, personality, like, uh, but, but like really online coaching can be a lot better because like, let's say you, ha- you have an hour with a, a personal trainer or a physical therapist or chiropractor or whatever. I mean, you, you pay for an hour, yeah, like maybe $80, something like that. And uh, like you go a week or two weeks without talking to them and then you see them again and right. pay them again. Right. With me, you pay me and you get to talk to me every single day about your problems and about how how uh, I can help you to solve them. Now, how do you how do you then, talk to, how do you talk to them by video chat or by telephone call or, or texting? Um, usually just texting. I mean, there okay. is the option to like a uh, call, video call. You know, it's like a, a per need type of thing. I you know, see. like yeah. voice messages. I see. But it's uh, generally just texting because that's what people tend to prefer. Um, so so I I can I can easily see how the online thing, you know, with the daily follow-up is much more beneficial than, as you say, seeing a personal yeah. trader once a week. Big difference in, when it comes to follow-up. Exactly. Because, like, I, I, there is a weekly follow-up, maybe uh, maybe every other week, like, but mostly uh, a weekly follow-up. And, like, every single day between, if something happens, just text me. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not, go- I'm not going to be pissed off. Or like, so long as you don't like send me thirty messages a day after we've already <laughs> ended a conversation, yeah. it will be all good. <laughs> well, you know, and and what I like about the concept of online training is that it puts a lot of responsibility on the client because yeah, I. <sighs> When I owned my gyms, I would have uh, personal training uh, hours with clients, and the worst thing for that relationship is to have a training session with a client who hasn't done anything at all since the previous session. They haven't asked any questions. They haven't done any training themselves. And it's almost like you're starting fresh every time you see them. So yeah, it's like, it's like you have an hour to train, but you have to spend like half half of an hour of that time to fucking talk to them. Yes. It's so annoying. Absolutely. So, so, so it, it it should be even more annoying for the person but for some reason, people don't really see it. Exactly. Like, uh, so, so maybe they listen to your podcast and now the problem is solved. <laughs> well, <laughs> my, my, my goal is to have millions of listeners. So all of a sudden, you're going to get millions of phone calls with potential clients. <laughs> Dang. Well, well, because well, the, thi- the thing is with online training, your, your, your client base is limitless. You know, you can be anywhere in the yeah. world. And and, exactly. and and have a client. So, do do you evaluate video from your clients? Do you have a do you oh, have yeah. a do you have like, a regimen around that that every week they have to send you that week's videos? Yeah, uh, actually, I do. And uh, if they want to do it, like after every single session, they can also do that. Okay. To be honest, and like yeah, there's no way I'm going to train someone who is not going to show me how how they lived. Like exactly. I'm not going to be able to. 
Like that's that's why the the uh, online fitness game uh, business is so oversaturated by online coaches. And that's why a lot of online coaches like are easily judged as being phonies and fakes and uh, yeah. no good. Yeah, it's because so many of them just give out some standardized cookie yeah. color program yeah. to people they don't know anything about. Like I have to know about. I have to know who you are. Yeah, what are your goals? Do you know why you have them? And the blah, on, blah, blah, blah. and the ongoing yeah, and then the ongoing evaluation by looking at their videos, of course, yeah. is optimal. Have you have to, to the yeah, you have to know how they're doing. I, I, yeah, exactly. And I have to see them even do stuff at home, like simple exercise, like a side bridge, or like yeah. hey, if you stand on one leg, what happens? Like I have to see all kinds of things. Um, right. Of course, but when I say all kinds of things, like for one person, it might be like a few things. But there are yeah. a lot of different things I might need to check for depending on what that person needs. Right. So, so like, I need them to be okay with uh, videotaping uh, whatever I ask them to, to video for me and send it to me so I can see what happens. So that if they have a problem, I can tell where does it come from. Yep. And there are so, so many different things, like so many tools in my toolbox that I can pull out and I can use. There you so, go. So, I mean, you might have a program with, like, four exercises. You go very hard, yeah. you know, like, five days a week or so. Yeah four or five exercises and I might just want to see like two videos like the second and the last set of uh, like two of the more complex exercises and, I, and then the last set of like bicep curls and uh, like smaller exercises like that right yeah but, but I, I need you to to want to do that and be open to the, the possibility that maybe I'm going to ask to see you do more things other than that Exactly. Because I, I need to know what, what the person is doing and how. And that evaluation, yeah. Uh, yeah. and you see how they're doing, that's going to determine your uh, recommended adjustments to the program. If they don't give you that feedback yeah. by by asking their questions, by sending you their video, it's going to be impossible for you to exactly. give them any sort of a progression on their program. Yeah. And they can't that, blame you. That's what I, what I hate about the internet. Like, the internet is a fucking tea service for most people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it takes so long to build up a bullshit radar where you can just, like, see, read something and know, okay, that's bullshit, moving on. Well, I like, know, I know of high-profile fitness people, whether they're bodybuilders, powerlifters, or, or, or Instagram models. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but there's a lot of high-profile people out there who do the cookie cutter program. You know, if you uh, yeah. email me and, and, and pay me $350 and I'll send you a program. And you know, that is exactly what they do. They get $350 and they send a program and then that's it. The client never yeah. hears anything from them. The client never gets any kind of follow-up. And I don't understand yeah. when, when there's guys like you and guys like myself who are legitimate, who legitimately want to help people who legitimately want to, coach people yeah. you know uh this high profile instagram model will just give a program but you're here to coach someone and help them exactly. make themselves better big difference in a big yeah. uh, the price may be the same but you're going to give that client much more in the way of results exactly yeah because some of these high profile people they are expensive because a lot of people follow them yeah and believe in that bullshit yeah. so they just drive the price up it's a shame. You know, and, and they send you something that they have sent to like hundred other people. Yeah. And you yeah. think it's made just for you. Like, it doesn't work like that. And you may have gone through the internet. You may have looked at some, 
strong uh, strongly five by five, which is a terrible program I used once and I really regret it. <laughs> uh, starting strength, whatever that tells you. Oh, just to uh, just to barely anything, just move in these few uh, movement patterns and uh, I see, yeah. these very few, and just add weight every time. Like that's the best you can do. Like just do it for like half a year or one point five years straight, and and that's that's good. Like no, it's not. You you have you have different lengths. In your in your arms, different uh, leg lengths. Right, exactly, exactly. Your upper and lower arm lengths, one versus the other, is different. Your upper and lower leg lengths are different. So I the exercises just, you have to do may have to be different. I was just going to say, um, yeah. I know a lot of people who will insist that you're supposed to squat this way or you're supposed to deadlift that way. I, I can give you an example. So, uh, a lot of people will coach that you absolutely uh, never should allow your knees to track above, uh, track in front of your toes when you squat. But you can't say that because, as you say, everyone is built different. Your lower leg ratio yeah. to your uh, to your upper leg, your your ratio from your upper torso to your lower torso. You know, all yeah. of those things come into the picture. So a good coach, a good coach will ask uh, for video of a potential client to see how they squat bench or deadlift before and take that as a starting point yeah. and then build on that because everyone's body yeah. mechanics are different do you agree just say yes exactly <laughs> I, I might, yeah i might even need to see mock shots like full from the one side a full from the other side a full picture well, yeah. uh, full body picture from the back and maybe even sometimes not like just sometimes maybe even in your underwear sure Sure. Well, You're, no one is going to be forced to that, but it might be necessary just to see what what does your muscles, where do they pull you? Yeah. Well, you know, I is about the body shots. You know, maybe in their underwear. I I I'm not a nutritionist, but I have coached people and guided them on their nutrition in order to change their body composition. Now, if you're a client, let's say you're a female client and you are just too shy or whatever, uh, you don't wanna weigh yourself, for example. If I, and I'm not saying the scale is the tell-all when it comes to, your, to, to, your, to, your, to what kind of shape you're in and your level of fitness, but it can be used to measure progress. But if you don't, if you're a woman who's so embarrassed, you never want to tell anybody how much you weigh, well then you are just removing that one tool. Yeah. And if you're afraid, if you're too shy to send a picture to your coach to show them your body composition, you know, you're asking for help to change your body composition, but you don't want to send a photo to your coach. That's you're just making things harder for that good yeah. cooperation, that good flow of information from coach to client and client to coach. So people kind of have to yeah. let, let go of those inhibitions, you know, and be a little bit more open exactly. about those things. Oh. Or at the, at the very least, just remember: the more your coach knows about you, the better. So, so if you are not, if you don't want to send those pictures, fine. But if that kind of shyness also keeps you from from informing important yes. things, then, then then maybe go see a psychologist instead. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being condescending here. I mean it sincerely. Like that maybe is go true. See someone who can help you with your mind. You you like, posted a video uh, the other day talking about stress. Now there is I I, I today I, actually was that today? Okay, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, so, right I'm, before you called me, I messed up. <laughs> I never know what time it is these days. Yeah, that, so that was today. I know that too. <laughs> <laughs> so I. I, I am one who believes that there is a direct connection between your physical 
physical state, your mental state, and your spiritual state. In other words, body, mind, and spirit. Those things are connected. So can you say, I don't know, talk about the video that you posted. What, 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 uh, what, were, you ha- what were you saying about stress in that video? Okay, can you first, uh, what is your definition of uh, spirit? Like, what do you think when you say spirit? Well, <clears throat> I'm a religious man. Okay. Uh, but I don't believe that you have to be religious to have spiritual content in your life. For example, if you are a man or a woman who is very much tuned into the concept of honor and respect for people around you, and you have incorporated that as a big part of your life, then you have put yourself in a spiritual mode in that you are, how do I, how do I explain? Do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to make me explain it even more. <laughs> Almost. Um, well, Almost well, well spir- spir- spirituality does not mean religion. There are people who feel, for example, a very, very, they're very connected to the earth. There's people who tell me they can't be in a good mental state unless they get the spirituality of taking a walk in the forest or in the mountains. They feel a connection with the world when they do that. That is a spiritual concept. It's not a religious okay. concept, but it's a spiritual concept. Um, I believe. So it's like a, uh, an element of a personality type. A big element. I'll say. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, well, I will, I will. I'll make it more specific in that it is a big element of a personality type. Because uh, again, you don't have to be religious to be spiritual. For example, if you. Um, yeah, you get the picture. <laughs> Yeah, you're beginning to regret that you said spirit before. <laughs> well, I, I get well, not regret. I'm, I'm finding it difficult to explain what I mean because this is kind of more of an inner conversation that I've had with myself, not something that I've vocalized to to too many people. You 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 related to like uh, your inner child and your your self, your your own idea of your own self realization. There you go. Dr. Yeah. Dr. Matthias. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thank you very much. <laughs> so, like, the reason I ask is because it, it tends to be a vague definition. Uh, and, and, like, me, in my mind, I'm, I'm a bit more black and white. Like, when people say spirituality, the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, you just said uh, psychology and, and spirituality, but they're the same. You know, they're kind yeah. of not. There is some type of understanding that they're not. Yeah. But, yeah. like, I... I I'm answering from the perspective that they are pretty much the same. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's how my mind works. <laughs> so well, that's why I, I had to ask. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I so, believe, okay, I, you know, I, I believe in God. So that, that defines a certain spirituality. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't believe in God. And I can say mm-hmm. that that, and if that non-belief in God, if that atheism guides that person through their life, well, then I would define their non-belief in God as a spiritual path. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Kind of. No, I, uh, I'm, I'm weird. <laughs> I'm weird. <laughs> well, I'm weird. Like, I, I'm that kind of, uh, like, a part of me is like being rational and logical and stuff. Like, Obviously, I'm a human being, so I'm not always like that, but 
I, I, I tend to be more than other people, so I'm not the one you, you tend to have spiritual conversations with. Yeah. Well, because it's just outside of, outside of my scope of uh, understanding, you know? Well, well let and, me ask uh, this. Let me ask this. And this has nothing to do with the scope of understanding. What do you think will happen to you when you die? Well, what is your, uh, no, what is your, for sure is my, my body is going to rot or get burned. Like, yeah. I, I don't know anything other than that. That's your body, but what about your consciousness? What about your mind? What happens to your mind when you die? Mm. Wait. But I, I don't know. You don't I have know. no idea. I have no idea. Like, maybe the light is just going to be shot forever. Maybe, like, uh, some type of energy flows and uh, goes elsewhere. Maybe I become a squirrel or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, and that not knowing, okay, and, and that's fine that you don't know, but that could be, and you are a thinking man, so imagine yes. what it would do for you and your awareness and your control of your own actions and, and control of your own vision and, and your, your, your desires and your ambition. If you walked down a mental path, and try to figure that out, or at least formulate some more thought about what happens to you when you die. And I'm not saying that's going to lead you to uh, to a Baptist church and you're going to start praising God and all that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it will open. It might open your mind to a whole other way of thinking about your purpose here and what you're capable of, and how you influence others. It might. Yeah, I mean, what happens is I remove thought from myself. Uh -huh. I put it on, on other things and other people. And that kind of frees my mind up to like take life more serious for one reason or another. Uh -huh. So I can kind of see that. Yeah. Like like if, if I'm playing a team sport like and I'm thinking more about my mates than I am myself, then yeah, I'll push myself harder. And that, uh, So I, I can see that. Um, but I, like, I, don't, I, don't, I can't relate to anything other than that. But what, what you just saying, said, but what, but what you just said is the way you think about life, correct? Yes. And the way one thinks of life is one's spiritual concept of life. So you are spiritual. You're not religious. At least you haven't shown that or said that, but you have a way of thinking about life. And spirituality is just a formulated and conscious way of thinking about life. Now, that's not the dictionary interpretation, but that's kind of the way mm. I, that's kind of the way I rationalize the whole concept of spirituality doesn't okay. doesn't mean going to a church doesn't mean praising god or reading the bible or the quran or whatever it means having a path or having something that guides you a way of thinking yeah that guides you through life so uh, like the more one thinks like a philosopher the more spiritual one is i do believe that I do believe okay, it. that's fine. That's People, fine. Yeah, someone like someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, do you know who he is? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone like him. Yeah, exactly. Someone like him who can sit and just, you know, throw out all of this knowledge and all of this information, and he will tell you in all of that that he's not religious, but he will say that he is spiritual and that he has a view on life and what it means and how he wants to live it. So, in his own way, he is spiritual, and yet that has nothing okay. to do with religion. Yeah, in my mind, like for my personal view and for how I think, 
Uh-huh. I, I would probably still say that uh, spirituality and, and psychology goes together because it's I all a matter so. of how one how someone is thinking. Uh, but it, it doesn't have to be like a black and white setting like other people can think of it uh, in other ways. Like that's sure. fine by me. Because the problem, uh, yeah, because the problem is, is when people claim that their own spiritual path is the only proper way to do it. That's when problems arise. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one people can be a straight-up law-abiding citizen and have honor, and uh, like another person can like be a fucking uh, thief or a terrorist or something yeah. and, and and feel like they have honor. Exactly. I mean, exactly. it's very subjective everything. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, what a conversation! First, we're talking about uh, <laughs> powerlifting and uh, all that goes along with the, or uh, training rather, and all that goes along with that, and now we're talking about spirituality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, i'm like the conversations with me are like that we get, we get all around everything <laughs> well so, um, yeah i try not to be a one-dimensional person that's boring <laughs> i feel the same way yeah absolutely so, uh i don't i've forgotten what you asked me you know it all started <laughs> it all started with um i think we need to take our uh, adhd medication uh what it started with was no, uh, fuck that yeah thank you <laughs> I'd, I'd rather go train you know for me uh, here's another side thing for me uh Yay, training new conversation well well we'll get back to my original question which was about <laughs> stress uh, in the video that you put up but i just want to throw yeah, this in there. you know I'm, I'm joking about we need to take our adhd medication and yes some people go that route and some people may need that i don't know i'm not a doctor but for me training in other words physical activity is medicine for a lot of physical ailments and mental ailments for me training is therapy in many ways yeah i think it's like environmental and uh, psychological um like people with adhd like they pay attention to everything around them yes like if you live in a third world country, I think that having ADHD just means you're a fucking survivor. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's no okay. other label. Like you notice things around you, <laughs> like stress and, and stuff like that. And uh, there's there's also a singing part. Like especially if there there are no threats or no problems, you are really solving. Like you might think uh, a lot more thoughts than you need to about things you don't need to think about. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, what that is is. You lack, you have as a, a lack of certainty. Because if you know exactly what you need to do and exa- and why and, and what is the solution to the problem, like yeah, you yeah. don't you don't you don't think nearly nearly as much. Exactly. Yeah. So 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 what you have to do is if you live in a in a boring place, no no problems. You play too much Candy Crush because that game is like solving problems, you know, and you yeah. get like a dopamine release and like you have to put yourself out there and and find problems to solve. Absolutely. Set some goals, man. Set some activate, goals. Act, like, activate that mind, and you may not. And I'm, yeah. I'm not saying you won't, but you may not need that medication. Activate your mind and body, and, exactly. you, and, you, and you may not need that medication. That was my little. And then that, that actually goes back to the spirituality thing, because if you if you realize that you have ADHD or, or something like that, some sort of problem, but every time you take a walk in the forest, you feel grounded. There you go. Yeah. Well, well, that, that that tells you what you need. So you exactly. need to be in nature more. Exactly. You, and I'm and again, I'm not you, saying you have a child and you you have some experiences yes. from when you you have to find out as much as you can. Why does nature feel good for you? What can you yeah. do to get that feeling out when you are not in nature? You know, yeah. It, it, take the time to analyze that whole situation and what it does for you, and you might find yeah. that it will solve a lot of problems. Exactly. Yeah. 
yeah. physical and don't mental challenges. Don't just use it to cope. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't, don't use it to cope with your problems. Use it to transcend your problems. That is a whole different aspect of coaching that you're t that we're talking about right now. You know, and, that, and that's another thing that I try to make people not make them, <laughs> but I try to inform people about that. For me, at least, training is not just the physical side. It's not just sweating. It's not just getting bigger and stronger and getting in better shape, but it's the mental thing. How is How can training bleed into my life so that I can expand myself mentally as well as physically? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, the mighty Adam said it himself. St strengthen your mind and the rest will follow. There you go. Do you really think he only meant that your tendons would get stronger and you could lift more weight? Exactly. Like, <laughs> there's much more I to it than that. No, there's much more to it than that. Yeah. But let me let me get back to what I, you, you let me get back to my original question about ten minutes ago. <laughs> you 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 posted, <laughs> and it's my fault. It's my fault that we got off on this tangent. But um, no, I do too. <laughs> but going going back to the question uh, is the video that you posted um, today about stress. Can you talk about that? What were you talking about in that video about stress? Well, I remember saying, because I don't remember even everything right now because we've talked so much, <laughs> <laughs> that um, I think I, I started the video saying that when you have been through stressful situations a long time, like without really catching a break, like I was bullied growing up, for example, like I was stressed the fuck out yeah. every day. What happens is your baseline of stress actually comes up a little bit higher because in other words, your body stress. gets in other words, your body gets yeah. more used to being stressed. It's almost like getting addicted to yeah, a drug. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 when you are at a quote unquote relaxed state of mind, like if another person felt that state of mind, they would actually feel stressed out. Exactly. Because I see. being stressed becomes your new norm. I see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why relaxation is so important. I mean, it's no it's no wonder that people take walks in the forest, they listen to relaxing music, they go to a, a, a masseuse uh, yeah. like at least once a month to relax, you know. But so the problem is just that a lot, a lot of those people, when they do that, like, they're still fucking stressed out. <laughs> like, <laughs> so if, if you go for a walk for two minutes, for two hours every day, and then to, because you are stressed, and you continue to be fucking yeah. stressed, it's not fucking working. Something else is needed. So Something they, on top of it. Not in, not instead of, but on top of it. So they need to go... How about... Yeah, go you, how about you go... <laughs> I'm going to finish this one. Like, how about <laughs> you go for a walk for an hour instead, maybe just a half hour, and you do something else to, to, to get uh, relaxed. Not something relaxing necessarily. Maybe something hard. Maybe you look yourself in the mirror and ask... Why the fuck am I so fucked up? If that's what, what you think of yourself. Why am I so fat? Not chubby. No, why are you fat? Why are my muscles? Why, why are my muscles so weak? Why am I skinny? No, no, not just why do I have problems? Why do I do this? Uh -huh. well, because of stress. Okay, moving on. No, no. Address the I problem stressed? directly. What do I, what do you mean by stress? Yes. Like when someone tells me, I'm sorry, I disrespected you. I was stressed. It's like, yeah, I might say, yeah, okay. We all make mistakes. But really what I'm thinking is, no, you're not fucking stressed. You're having a fucking problem and you need to figure out what it is so it doesn't happen again. Like, you need to put in work. Yeah, maybe stress is the last thing you need. But if you put in the right type of work, the, the work that you really need, the work that even if you are an overthinker, you just think of that one thing and, yeah. and you begin to calm. 
and your thoughts begin to disappear. Yeah. That's the thing you need to do because when you do it, you will practice how to, to deal with what is going on inside your mind. You will practice on how to deal with the heavy, high stress, not, yeah. not how to ignore it, no, how to actually get it lower because you feel better about yourself. You, you, you go to a happy place, all that type of stuff. I see. So in other words, yeah. what people find out, uh, is, is it that people spend so much time on the surface of the problem? Oh, I'm stressed. And yet they don't have the, for whatever reason, they don't take the time to use their mental muscles and dig underneath that surface and find out why yeah. they're stressed and deal with that specific problem. Exactly. And of course, if just asking, what can I do is something that makes you really fucking tired to the point where you can't even do the fucking dishes. Of course, go get a massage, go for a walk, go take some time to feel better. But, but, but maybe instead of asking how can, yourself, how can I do it? Maybe try asking yourself, like, what do I want to do? Uh-huh. Maybe because when you find something you want to do, you get a, a new flow of energy and all your problems feel, feel more easy to battle. Even if you if you are still stressed out, it just feels easier to do something about it. You know, that, you know? That, so, so that's what I'm getting at. That falls in line with something that I've heard Stan Efferding say. Uh, now he was just thinking of a physical of of things from the physical aspect. He he always says <clears throat> when it comes to recovery, uh, physical recovery after training, the things mm -hmm. that people do for you, like massage or or you know. Uh, manual therapy or whatever the things that people do Passive for you recovery. do not work as well as the things you do for yourself in like taking a yeah. walk so if we apply that to the mental side of things like what we're talking about when it comes to stress uh find people should get under the surface i think and find an activity something they actually do physically in practical term in practical mm -hmm. terms to better their situation Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Find out, find out what you need to do. Like, it's probably going to be something you're good at. So once you, you do that, and you, you begin to go after that goal, here's what you have to do for the rest of your life. Yeah, because it doesn't what stop. what you hate to do and what you suck at doing. Yeah. If doing push-ups makes you fucking... Uh, <laughs> in your mind, just, just hearing me say push-ups... How about instead of going down and doing like five sets of 10 or five sets of 20, how about you do 20 sets of five? And uh, then when you can do it in less than half an hour, how about you add 10 sets? Here comes Coach Matthias. 10 sets of three or something like that. That's like fantastic try to make it drag out. Practice to spend time doing it. Don't just get over with quickly and once or twice per, per week. Like go hard at it a couple of times per week. Yeah. But do a little bit every day as well. Use some time on it, roll around in it, and feel what it's doing for you. And yeah. that, that's something that one does over time. Yeah. Get dirty in the peak style. Get dirty in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get your fucking hands dirty. So, so what do you do? What do you do when you're stressed? What do you do to relax besides buy a sex swing or a yoga swing? Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> No, what know, I, I go I go for walks every day and then like speaking of saying everything I walk every day okay. three to four times yeah like I try after every meal but sometimes uh, like I don't or sometimes I have three meals instead of four but for the most part four four meals four walks of at least ten minutes each 
that relaxes me. That helps me to adjust my food so that I feel more uh, relaxed also. Um, that's pretty much it. Like I listen to music if I want to uh, sometimes, but I haven't done this in like two months. Sometimes in the evening when the sun goes down and it's dark in my room, I lie down, I put a timer on uh, my phone like to ring in uh, 60 minutes and I put on relaxing music and I just lie down there. Okay. What I do when I lie down there is I make sure not to fall asleep. Some people end up doing it and that's okay. You just try not to. And even more important is if you have a thought, say, oh, that's a thought, remove it. Uh-huh. Try to be absolutely free from thinking. Just empty your mind. Empty your mind. Meditation. When you do it, yeah, and do not jump out of the bed when you're done. Like most people are going to get out slowly from their bed because uh, they should, because most people, what's going to happen is uh, their legs become jelly. Jello. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like. It feels like you're standing or walking on jello, so like you, you, your legs start shaking and you, you, yeah. you grab onto something or sit back down because you're afraid you're going to fall on your ass. Like that's how relaxed your nervous system becomes. Wow. And how long, yeah. how long should people do that every day? Probably no more than an hour because it becomes really long-winded. I mean, it could be 15 minutes even. Yeah. I make sure I, I don't lay down, but I make sure that I, sometimes I could lay down and do it, but I make sure I at least sit down, sit still with no TV, no music in my ears. And, and those 15 minutes are just for me to sit down and find peace. And within, yes. and within that, that means removing all thought, trying to get away from anything that's stressful, anything about thinking about what I have to do or what I should do or what I should have done earlier. I try to just remove all of that and, and just be it, it, 15 minutes of being in the moment and finding peace. I try to do that every single day. I cannot remember, as a matter of fact, the last time I didn't do that. That is a daily routine. Everyone for me. can do it once. Yes. Yes. I mean, I actually find that if, if I have like two or two meals in a day where I have a, I'm on the computer or have the TV yeah. on while I, while I eat, I find that I'm actually beginning to be a bit too stressed and I, and I need to like back off. Okay, yeah. I, I have seriously begun to like make a rule of doing nothing while I eat. No talking, uh, no texting, no nothing. You just sit Relax in while I yeah. eat. Yeah. Let my stomach receive the food, let my stomach work, and then right after, maybe, okay, maybe sometimes it takes a little bit, <laughs> like half an hour, but preferably right after I eat, just go out, walk around the block, or walk through the forest, or walk over uh, to um, some iron bars near my local uh, grocery store, and just uh-huh. do, do some training, like just relaxing food, yeah. Yeah. and go for a walk. And how long no is that walk? And how long is that walk usually? Usually like uh, 30, 60 minutes, okay. 10 minutes, 10 minutes is just fine. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, like, like I said, I have dialed down my training and, uh, yeah. a lot. So yeah. I have more energy to just walk outside, like one foot in front of the other. Man, that's, that's fantastic. That's good. That's good self therapy. And I believe yeah. that having that routine alone that you that you um take the time to to empty your mind of thoughts that you take the time for that walk after you eat doing something so simple as that can drastically change a person's life it's uh it's a lifestyle to talk to anybody while i eat yeah it becomes an annoying sometimes that's fantastic yeah yeah 
I believe I'm a believer in the value of silence. Now, you know, I'm here with my wife and uh, we have our two kids. One is 14, one is 12. So there's a lot of talk uh, at, at the dinner table uh, and no offense to them, but sometimes I wish everybody could just be quiet. Um, yeah. I'm going to tell them that coach Matias said, be quiet, shut your mouth and eat. <laughs> I'll yeah, let go through that. I mean, yeah, like, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't like I never really gained anything as a kid from from sitting at the table, all of my family, and well, talking. There's some benefits. Like, I, I gained nothing. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's an individual thing. There's some benefits to that you know we when we gather to eat, it is it is kind of like our a moment for us to acknowledge that we are family and that we care about each other. You know, we can. Um, and and I don't I don't even like to ask the kids how their school day went because that can lead to some stress. Uh, so yeah. I don't like to do that, I, but, but, but that we sit and, 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 um, and just talk about whatever they, they, they love to hear me tell stories about when I was young, some of the silly things I did, or, uh, um, I'll actually, uh, use a lot of that time just to tease my wife and make her laugh, make the kids laugh. Um, that's our moment kind of to connect socially as a family but yeah, but again I I had that. but again i see the value in taking that time to just be silent and folk not, not even focus just let yourself take in that nourishment and let it do what it's supposed to do for your body without any outside stimulus mm, exactly yeah. like just e eating together but not talking so much that's my yeah. thing uh, yeah. i think yeah. Uh, like when I was a kid, I was bullied a lot, so I didn't really talk to my family. So oh, you, like, were, you were bullied. Of course, a lot. it's an indi individual thing, and uh, like, were you bullied? Also, I'm sorry. Were you bullied within your family, or were you bullied at school? At school. Okay. Well, but you didn't think that that was. And I'm not criticizing. I'm just asking. You didn't think that because you were bullied at school that at the dinner table that might have been a time to talk about that with your with your parents. You know, maybe, but no. It just didn't. It, <laughs> it just didn't work out yeah. that way. You know, kids don't really know what's good for them. Uh, That's oftentimes, true. you know. That's and, true. Uh, That's true. Like I, I don't really. Uh, even today, I don't have uh, like uh, deep conversations with my parents. Uh, oh. Like my brother sometimes tries a little bit. Like we we have grown uh, to do that a bit, but mm -hmm. very very little. You know, like it's just not in my family to like be understanding and have deep conversation <laughs> conversations. Okay. Or, or even like, or even good conversations. Like it, we are very antisocial in the way we we conversate together. I see. Uh, or well, not antisocial, but just not very social. Um, not very. So, so it just never really happened. No. Um, well, you know, the, everyone so. has a different family dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's allowed. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> so you. Um, Wow. I, I just, I think that's very interesting that you are in touch with that mental side of things. You're not a one dimensional coach where all you want to do is make your client sweat. You know, there's also that side, that, that mental aspect of it. Uh, I firmly believe that the mental and physical are very, very tightly connected. Absolutely. Me too. I mean, if someone, ha if someone uh, has cancer and they had a very seriously tra tra traumatic life, yeah. I mean, maybe if they had a better life, they wouldn't have cancer. Mm -hmm. Like one can't say for sure, but it's a strong possibility. I, I believe there's something to that. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
Like, like I'm not exactly. Uh, I never really dived deep into that uh, that type of uh, literature, you know. Uh, but like, it is my understanding, at least on a surface level, that we are getting more and more data uh, yeah. for the the person, the people who are way smarter than me to interpret and, and deal with. Yeah. That that yeah, our our endocrine systems, our 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 mentality, our our physical body, like it's all connected, even with disease, and uh. like. In, in, in the next decade or two, maybe maybe 30 years, like we are going to like have our mind blown uh, yeah. a, a lot of times about that, I think. I have been reading, um, and, and don't ask me to tell you where these sources are, but I have read several different sources where they are doing a lot of um, scientific experiments and people are really working on the connection between the digestive system and the brain. And, and, and that the digest, di, digestive system should be put up on the same level uh, when it comes to uh, organs as the brain because you your thought process is very much connected to how you digest your food, which again is determined by what food you put in yourself. And they've done things where people who have been heavily medicated for being schizophrenic by changing their diet, if that has changed their digestive system and that has enabled them to come off of medication for schizophrenia. Well, That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. That, that is fascinating. That says something. Schizophrenia right and Alzheimer's, yes. Al- Alzheimer's as well. So that's uh, that yeah, but, but they, they have what they have one thing in common, those two, and I know because I looked at, a little bit at it because my grandfather not too long ago uh, got Alzheimer's actually. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, Alzheimer and schizophrenia are correlated with a deficiency in dopamine release. Yes. In, in other words, you are a dopamine-dominant type of person. That means when you re- yell really loud, when you do weird things, and like uh, when you're just like f- a type of eccentric person, like that gives you joy, that, that makes you calm inside. Even yes. if you look very wild on the outside, yeah. you feel calm inside yeah. because of that dopamine release. Yeah. When you play Candy Crush and you solve it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, like the people who, uh, who, who are like that, they have a higher risk of getting Alzheimer's or schizophrenia. And the thing is, this, kind, this, this is a neuro, uh, neurochemical uh, brain hormone. Brain hormones are common food. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people, like some people uh, with this type of behavior might actually feel a little bit calm if they, they have a, a little bit less carbohydrate rich foods and a little bit higher, uh, more yeah. protein rich foods. Yeah. Because in, in proteins, amino acids, uh, some of them have the, the dopamine in it or they are converted to it or something like that. I wonder if that has, I'm sure that has something to do with how they say that if you eat a diet that is too low in fat, uh, you will be more susceptible to Alzheimer's. Um, someone, oh, someone told, I think, uh, where, where did I read this? I read something about if you're on, if you are on these, um, these um, cholesterol medicines to lower your cholesterol, that that can open you up to be more susceptible to Alzheimer's. I want to say I've read that several places. I don't know how true it is, but I've read it. I think what when we think? dive into the, the, the different types of fatty acids, it can become very complex. Yeah. And, uh, 
I, I don't know uh, really, but I, I think uh, I think actually it's true from what I remember, like from various random sources. But like I, yeah. I'm not comfortable uh, speaking on it to be honest. I, I don't yeah, yeah. know how it is. Yeah, I don't want people to think I'm trying to be a doctor. You know, I'm just throwing out some information yeah. that I've read. But I do. I I'm almost 100% positive that I have read several places where anti-cholesterol medicines lower certain fatty acids that then open you up to a higher occurrence of Alzheimer's because of because you're yeah. missing some fatty acids and whatnot. I'm not the, sure. The I'm, not, I'm not a doctor. Like you even uh, cholesterol itself is uh, very complex because like a long time ago, everybody thought that cholesterol was all bad. Then they, they came with the idea that HDL cholesterol is good and LDL cholesterol is bad. Yeah. And now is the idea that LDL cholesterol is more complex and usually not that bad after all. Yeah. But they, they, they are not really sure how it works and they're not really sure why. So like, <laughs> like that, that's just a complex topic itself. And uh, it is, it is. I mean, the, 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 the combination of like saturated, unsaturated, monounsaturated uh, fatty acids is like... <laughs> Just the sickness of the stop times itself. I mean, there are, there are many theories that we have yet to uh, uncover. Yeah, yeah. It's an like interesting. The way that they're sending uh, like signals for insulin through the substance, like saturated fat is a sick substance. Yeah. So we're back. Technical dif difficulties. John had to go talk to Snoopy and uh, use the toilet, you know, nature calls. But here we are. We're back now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so as I was saying, like, I think it's pretty hard to know for sure what exactly is going on with the fatty acids because, like, there are different types and uh, yeah. they have different uh, substances and and they yeah. don't even know exactly what's going on with the whole cholesterol thing. So, yeah, it's fairly, like, fairly, who the hell knows? yeah, fairly unexplored territory. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, yeah. keep, e I'll keep eating my fat and hopefully I won't get Alzheimer's. <laughs> 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 Me too. Yeah. So. Yeah, you had uh, you had a so, you had a question for yeah. me about. Uh, um, yes. So you you have, you have told me that you had some records in uh, powerlifting. Yeah, I have uh, I have some records in powerlifting. I have. Uh, yeah, I have some push pull records. Some you know uh, a bench and uh, deadlift combined push-pull records back home in the state of Ohio in the United States. Uh, I lift in the USAPL, uh, IPF, uh, the, the American branch of the IPF, USAPL, and there I have some state records in push-pull, um, deadlift, and squat. I cannot remember what my total is for the push-pull. I can't remember what my deadlift is, but my squat is 342. Two and a half kilos raw for a state record in squat. And then here in Norway, I have the national Norwegian record. I'm not a Norwegian citizen, but I qualify for Norwegian records because of my residency here. And the Norwegian record I have is 335.5 kilos raw. And I did that last year as a 49 year old. So I'm, I'm extra proud of that of that record. And, and I, like I told you earlier, I'm still, uh, doing what I have to do, uh, to train hard and get stronger. So that record will be raised. Yeah. Those are some big numbers. I think here in Denmark, the deadlift record with a belt and sleeves, well, I don't know if they, 
use sleeves for deadlift, but people use all kind of shit. But yeah. it has just gone up to uh, 332.5 kilos regardless of age. Okay, yeah. So you could you could actually beat that. <laughs> I would like to try. <laughs> no, I, you know, but again, it goes back to that thing. I'm just trying to get better. I'm trying to be a better lifter than I am. But of course, it's very cool. Uh, to I would say one of my greatest athletic achievements is that squat record that I got last year as a 49 year old. Um, it just, yeah. I, I don't. I just don't believe in that thing that just because you reach a certain age, you cannot get in better physical shape. You may have to change the way you train. You may have to change your your thought process. But it is very possible to continue making gains as a so called yeah. older uh, powerlifter. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what many people don't realize is that for old people, yeah, they they may not be able to walk up the stairs on their own. But they don't have to stand on one leg while they're powerlifting. They're just going to like <laughs> stand on both legs as they can, yeah. and then bend their legs and get back up. I mean, exactly. Powerlifting, powerlifting is for life. You don't get too old to to train for Absolutely. powerlifting. Absolutely. You know, I look at guys like Anthony Harris. Uh, he is in the under one twenty kilo class. Uh, he lifts in the USAPL. He has well, he squatted well over three hundred and. Yeah, I don't remember. But for, for, for a while, though, he had the world record for the under 120 kilo class in the squat raw. And he was 51, 52 years old at that time. So, yeah, I, yeah I, uh, Dave, David Ricks is another power lifter who was older. He's 56, 57. Um, he was a, and he was a world champion at at that age or maybe last year a couple of years ago or whatever so 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 to be an older lifter and and uh and still be making progress is quite possible yeah especially in powerlifting i mean some yeah. people actually peak in their 50s yeah yeah so so i mean yeah why not I yeah mean, why not it's, it's not like you you turn 35 and then you, you have no testosterone anymore no it goes away very slowly yeah you know i hear people say oh my gosh i turned 35 now it's all downhill well maybe for them it is but i i'm not a believer in that and, and how many people have really really reached their genetic potential uh, before they are 35 years old very few <laughs> yeah so why the fuck couldn't some random person with skinny arms get stronger and, uh, and, 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 and and more muscular in their 40s. I'll take any 40-year-old man who has never trained, or, or woman, any 40-year-old man or woman who has never trained with weights a day in their life, I will take them, and within two years, I will make them believe, I'll make it to the point where they're going to want to change their name because they're such a different person than they were two years ago i mean it's possible exactly. not only is it possible it's likely to happen as long as you do the work i, I believe that i mean yeah. i've had pe people who in just one month it was like a transformation for them yeah absolutely i mean young people who uh, didn't have a lot of muscle and hadn't really learned how to live correctly like one 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 girl actually i helped her in three weeks and she credited me for saving her life which wow. it, it may be a bit exaggerated but but she felt like she was finally uh, ready to, to stop having suicide thoughts. Well, I don't think that, I, yeah, I don't think that she because spoke out of turn. I mean, you probably literally did uh, contribute to saving her life. Yeah, I mean, all I know is that uh, learning how to lift correctly and how to, to diet uh, when you're not uh, happy with yourself, I mean, that can really turn someone's life around quickly.
I, I believe Very that. I've, yeah, I've, I've seen it happen. I had a lot of people, like I told you earlier, I used to own uh, some gyms. I, at one point, I owned three gyms here in Norway, <clears throat> and I would travel from gym to gym doing uh, personal training with clients. And I saw several occasions where most often it was women, you know, young, young women in their early 20s who... They may, they may have had thoughts of suicide or they may have had a serious problem with self-confidence and self-image. And like you say, very quickly, in a matter of weeks or just a few months, it just turns their life around. Um, yeah. Like I said before, training is medicine, not just physical medicine, but mental medicine. It really is. I mean, it, 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 it removes them. It, it helps them remove themselves from the I'm so this and I'm so that and everything is so fucked up and it begins to to make them think like yes. hey look what, what I can what do what if I continue doing yeah. this what if I did look what I did so far what if I do more what happens then exactly and you and you start that, chasing like, you start chasing yeah. your better self and I don't, I, that that's what a lot of people just the one thing a lot of people have to do is just quit saying I can't I can't do it. And start saying, how can I do it? There you go. Open questions. Yeah. Give you answers. They, they open up your minds to opportunities that make you think in a wholly different way. And that's a lot better than just having uh, yourself put negative thoughts back in your mind and try to forget them because it removes them. Well, people complicate the process with their negative thoughts. They complicate it because it really is not more difficult than deciding what you want giving yourself a time frame in which to achieve it and then doing the work to make it happen it's really not more difficult than that but we make it yeah. we can make it more difficult with negative thoughts and i mean uh, i'll one up you there and say that uh, many people should set a goal that they might never achieve they don't know if they can actually achieve it dream wild yeah, you you have to have a certain way of uh, thinking already before you're able to do that and yes. get motivated from it. And you have to be able to believe in yourself enough that you only ever raise your expectations, ever only raise your goals, not lower them. But I mean, if you're able to do it, aim as high as fucking possible. There you go. I like to have and an image. I like to have an image of me having an invisible uh, backpack. And as I go through life, I fill up that backpack with positive experiences, small goals or big goals, whatever, things that I achieve. And for each thing that I achieve, I can put that in that backpack. And the heavier that backpack gets, the stronger I have to be to continue the journey and continue to fill up that backpack. So I'm still in the process of filling it up. I would think most people would uh, would uh, relate that to negative uh things weighing down on you not positive uh, things how so how's that a backpack that, that sounds like baggage you know uh, you're carrying baggage <laughs> well okay but i with the mindset that i have i am one who enjoys yeah. a challenge i love a challenge because some people will think challenge equals problem but i look at it as challenge equals opportunity to grow so you grow exactly and i grow through resistance so the yeah. heavier that backpack gets the stronger i will make myself to carry it and as i carry it and as i am going through life i'm experiencing more things i'm achieving more things and each achievement goes into the backpack which forces me to what to be stronger to continue the journey so it's just a circle yeah. of growth it's a circle of growth
Yeah, I think everyone who's listening can take a lot from that. Yeah, how about that? Like, uh, and I got it yeah. for free. <laughs> I don't have it. I don't, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't have an ebook yeah, yet. <laughs> if, you, if you run a track, if you, if you run a track and you jump a hurdle, like you are defying gravity for a second. Yeah, that's you true. You leave the ground, you hover over the hurdle, and yeah. then you come back down. Think about that. You know, you can jump again. Think you can jump that. again. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, yeah, that was a challenge. It required that you 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 produced force. You did something. Yeah. Like. You expended energy to jump the hurdle, but you can do it again and again and again. And soon you will be able to jump higher. You will be able to jump two hurdles and one jump, uh, all kinds of stuff. Like if you have if you have a challenge, don't do the woe is me shit. Like, yeah, don't woe, be like, woe oh, is I me. Woe is me. So yeah. Woe is so hard. Oh, but I told you this. So, so don't say anything to me. Yeah. No, yeah. embrace it. Say, hey, I, that's a big fucking challenge. I might end up fucking dying trying to to fight through. You know what? I'm, I'll fucking take it. I like that mental image of jumping a hurdle and defying gravity. Think about what a badass you are. You are defying the force of gravity. <laughs> there's, there's, something, yeah. there's something cool about that. <laughs> yeah, it's something very small, but if you if you think correctly, it adds up. Yeah. Yeah, it adds up. Like the more times you defy gravity, the sooner you're going to like uh, fly. <laughs> but but uh, don't jump out of a window trying that. Don't be naive. <laughs> but um, <laughs> maybe someone that listens to the podcast and does it on drugs or something. I don't know. Hey, you uh, know. But, so I have to put a legal uh, disclaimer on there. I am not challenging people to defy gravity by jumping out of airplanes or jumping off a cliff. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not I'm not telling people to do stupid shit while I'm on drugs because they listen to me talk. Like just so you just so you are all every fucking adult with like two sides of one brain listening to this, like we are not doing that. There you now go. you know. There you go. Yeah. See now now we're covered. Nobody can sue us. <laughs> yeah. So are you um have you ever traveled to the United States? No, but uh, I might. Oh. I might. Uh, maybe one day do you um what kind of connections do you have with american uh power lifters or american personal trainers online do you get any inspiration from any of them yeah like uh, no matter where someone is from if they speak danish or english i i can take something from them um yeah i mean i found you even though you are an american so that's true we found each other also. <laughs> how about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I think so, we've been yeah, I th- not in the same country. And <laughs> I, think, I, I think we've been we've been friends on Facebook for a couple of years now, haven't we? How did that Maybe. happen? Who found? Did you find Actually. me or did I find you? I, yeah, I don't remember. I know we I have think a lot. It was about uh, maybe maybe about a year ago when I started adding a bunch of people. Yeah. I know we have a lot of friends in common on on uh, Facebook. A lot of powerlifters. Oh yeah, like yeah. I've grown to like over three thousand uh, friends on my Facebook page just from yeah. sending a bunch of requests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think Facebook. More the merrier. Yeah, absolutely. And I would think that with your line of work as an online trainer, Facebook is a great advertising tool. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, if one knows how to do that stuff. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah. It, so. uh, I, I'm thinking about the, the the video that you posted today, and the, and and the the two videos, the last two videos that you have. Those are a couple of great um, displays of your 
thought process uh, as a person and, and of course as a coach I know if people were to see those videos it's going to peak up their curiosity about what kind of a what kind of a coach you are yeah that's why I'm posting them yeah. actually to do some marketing for myself you know yeah. I don't know how to do all that stuff so I just try I just try and see what happens boy I tell you some, uh, some people are really good at that stuff I see some people uh, especially on Instagram who have you know 10 20,000 followers and it's like the content isn't even that exciting but somehow they've got tens of thousands of followers I just don't know how they do that I think it's a matter of like, uh, like that that personality. Like they're very much uh, ah, come see here. Uh, very happy go lucky. It uh, uh, I think it's called and uh, like very exciting to watch. Um, like, did you know there are people who feel so bad about themselves that they they, they have to go on YouTube and watch people uh, show how they at a day of living, a day of eating, a day of training. Yeah, yeah. Just to see people uh, do stuff with their families and in, enjoy training with their friends and stuff like that. Just so, so the people watching can feel like, ooh, I, I want that. Ooh, how nice it would be to have that. How, how healthy or unhealthy do you think that is? Oh, very unhealthy. Very, very unhealthy. I mean, if, if, you, if you have such a bad life in your own opinion, that you, you feel compelled to, to go every day and watch what some other person is doing in their life, like specifically just what they are doing during a day, yeah. a, a normal day. Like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you, your life fucking sucks and you have to do something about it. I mean, you can also just uh, hear me tell you that your life fucking sucks and feel bad and eat a tub of ice cream and that <laughs> pretty much settles it that yeah. it's your own fault that you have a shitty life. I mean, you need to change your mind. You need to change your mindset and go out and do what I've been telling you earlier in this podcast. I agree with you that if someone is at the point where they are getting their stimulus or whatever uh, or their you know their reason yeah. to to make it through their day by watching other people get it through their day that's a sad situation to be in but if you look at the yeah. other side of it the people who are posting that content could it be said that those people posting content are doing a service in a way for people who need it isn't that a good thing isn't there something positive in that I think there's something positive with saying, hey, um, some people are getting something out of what I'm doing. I want to show it. I want to document it. Uh -huh. While that person has other more important shit going on <laughs> that, that they, they feel themselves is more important. That's, right. that's, that's fine. But I think if you spend all your time vlogging and uh, you don't have that much other stuff, or maybe you do have that other stuff, yeah. but you feel inside that the vlogging is where you really gain something because of the attention, uh, I would not uh, I would not respect that person very much and I might not even trust them at all because uh, that, that's, that speaks uh, fraud to me that speaks um, of narcissism that's like so so, yeah, uh, it, so an Instagram model who does nothing but film their life you know uh, the, the breakfast they eat you know they go to they go to the hair salon and get their hair done and they film that and they're basically just filming episodes of their life there's a certain level of respect that they deserve as opposed to someone who is a world-class female power lifter who has 
documenting her training, documenting how she eats and her nutrition, and then sharing that in the hopes of lifting others higher. In other words, the Instagram model is trying to lift herself higher, whereas the power lifter, through their documentation, they're putting it out there so that others can lift themselves. Is that one way of looking well, at it? With the whole Instagram thing, it's like a highlight reel and it's a facade, you know? Yeah. Like so, someone, someone can post a, a sexy picture or something and they, they can give some good advice. Today I was thinking this and I'm so happy that somehow I can help people. But but really, they're, they're just pretending that they, they're not going for the attention for the picture. I see, yeah. I think I agree I mean, with you. you. You don't. You you have to know the person very very well. I mean, you could know a person for a year and not even know that they are a narcissist. You yeah, know, yeah. That if you if 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 you say yes to to make a deal with them to become business partners, they're just going to run with the money, and you're not even going to see it coming. There are it's some like one yeah. one percent one one percent of the world population or something like that is is a narcissist or yep. a psychopath, and a lot of them who, are Instagram. Who, yeah. <laughs> A lot of them, because that's where they get the, the ego supply. They have very fragile egos. They feel very bad about themselves, but they are not going to show it, and they are sure as hell not going to admit it. <laughs> There's a lot of exactly. horror stories about Instagram models who, you know, yeah. what they do is they have, they, they may have 20,000 followers, and let's say I... Uh, let's say I'm trying to sell t-shirts for my podcast. So I would approach, yeah. let's say I, I approach an Instagram model and say, Hey, if you wear my t-shirt and give me a shout out, uh, because that will stimulate traffic to my website and more people will buy my t-shirt and I'll pay you $500. And they say, yes, they'll do that. Now, some of them do that. They take the $500, they wear your t-shirt or advertise your product, and it helps you to sell. But there's horror stories of Instagram models who just take the money and run. And then they'll block you. They'll yeah. block you on social media so you can't even complain and let people know what they did. It's an ugly world. It's an ugly world in oh, that yeah. Instagram thing. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Maybe it's my age, but yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, just don't get it. Do you, do you want uh, do you want a, a small but very very useful advice to uh, differentiate between whether they are a psychopath or a narcissist? Let's hear it. If someone does something dumb or something bad to you that hurts your feelings, and it seems like they don't care, what you can do is either they really do not care. There is no sense of shame, no anything. Yeah, they are psychopath. Like. You will kill their mother and they wouldn't even be mad at you, like something like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, if they are narcissist, they will, they will feel a sense of shame. You will see they feel a sense of shame. Yeah. But the thing is, they, they don't really care that they, they hurt your feelings. Yeah. They just kind of, kind of know it was wrong. You have to be very, very careful about that about just assuming that they, they are not going to do it again and that they feel bad I'm, for you. I'm, I'm they just... don't. I'm just going to keep my distance from both uh, nar uh, narcissists and psychopaths. <laughs> they are out there, though. Absolutely. You really should. But, but the thing is, like, a psychopath, yeah, stay stay the fuck away. A narcissist, like, there's a good chance if you you, ha you are in a workplace that your boss is a narcissist or something like that. Or some, someone yeah. you're responsible. You may have a, like, you may not be able to, like, get away from them because a, lo a lot of people, <sighs> the best bosses in the world, 
A lot of them are narcissists. Yes. Because the narcissist is going to do whatever they fucking takes. Yeah, to, they're, they're savages. They do whatever they, it takes to succeed at the expense of they others. They don't care about your feelings. They no. just want you to do what what helps them. You know, so so. I think I had a Marine uh, Corps drill instructor or two who was a narcissist. Very likely. So, like, <laughs> give them some type of a compliment now and then, and just uh, stay on the good side. <laughs> but but avoid them. Avoid them if you can. It's a um, it's a certain amount of selfishness out there in the world, and I think a lot of people can be selfish in different situations. But it takes a certain yeah. it takes a special level of that selfishness, that 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 uh, focus on the self and disregard for everybody else out there to be a narcissist. But they are out there, absolutely. Yeah, and also someone might act like a narcissist, come across as one, and not be one. Like a narcissist can have many traits, like not really care, not a lot of empathy. Yeah. But uh, if they have a sense of honor, that, that there's no fucking doubt they will steal even one dollar from someone. Like they are probably not a narcissist. I see. Yeah, they have, narciss- to, they have to be willing to do very extreme things to actually be one. I see, because most yeah, narcissists aren't going to have that sense of honor. No. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, one can uh, seem like a narcissist, but not be one. So that's very important also, now that we're talking about it, because I've been accused of being it, because I don't have a lot of empathy. I mean, I just just don't understand people very well, but I'm not a narcissist. I I don't hate myself, and I don't feel insecure. That takes a a lot of introspection. I don't think I've ever heard someone say that I don't have a lot of empathy. So that takes a lot of introspection, you know, a lot of self-understanding for you to say that, that you don't have a lot of empathy. Mm, I, th- I think uh, people who don't have it are probably very aware of it uh, because, like, unless they just don't talk to anyone and just don't do anything uh, because people are going to say it. Oh, you, you don't have a lot of empathy because they're butthurt that uh, you hurt their feelings and yeah. they want you to be responsible for how they feel. So, so you're going to be told if you don't have it, like... You're probably going to hear it. So you've heard. This. So, you, so in other words, you've heard this. It, it's not really something you oh, yeah. realized through introspection. It's something you've realized because people have told you this, and then you've thought about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, also while I have done introspection and just shared it, and okay. then people have said, "It sounds like you don't have a lot of empathy." Fuck you. <laughs> so, so where, do, where does so where, do, where does that come from? The uh, where it, what what has led you to be a person who has very little or no empathy? Uh, maybe that I got bullied. I mean, I remember growing up that uh, people would tell me like they had been beaten up every day and uh, they had bad parents and uh, they had been sexually abused and stuff I like see. that. And I would just look at them. I would just look at them and say nothing, feel nothing. Because so that bullying, I, 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 I've been I've been through so many things so so many times that I, that I, that when someone had told me they had been through something as well, I just felt like okay, so so they have had stress too, <laughs> you know that, that that was not what I was thinking, but it was like kind yeah. of like what I was feeling because to me it just seemed like something that is just a part of life, so I didn't get sad for them. Okay, but if uh, okay, so that's someone sharing some some problem some challenge that they've had and you don't feel empathy for it you just think okay they've had a problem too but what if that person said hey uh when i was a kid i was bullied all the time now we're going from empathy to possible sympathy can you feel sympathy for that person who tells you that they are that they are a victim of bullying? I, 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 don't, I don't actually i don't actually think i've 
since that, because now we are talking when I was very much younger, like a kid or beginning teenager, yeah. like as I've gotten in my twenties and I've learned more about people and I've understood people better, I begin to have a bit more empathy and uh, sympathy for them. Okay, a so a little bit. Okay, so you. So, so, you what, so what I just said is not right now. I see. So you are growing into a more emp- empath. Em- um, how do you say that? Empathetic. Uh, you're growing into a person who has more empathic. empathic. Thank you. You, you know your English. <laughs> you, you are growing into a person who is more empathic and sympathetic. Yeah, okay. uh, I'm more patient I also. But, I mean, but but that that was like how far it was for me that uh, like when when I was a kid, like ten years old, like in the in the swimming pool, I saw a man with no arm. Yeah. up to his elbow uh-huh. and I was like the only thing I really thought was that must be annoying to live with uh, without a forearm I see yeah that yeah. was like the, the one thought that like, was it that must be annoying how does he do that <laughs> <laughs> well I, I do know that bullying in those critical years how do I say this without well I don't know some people may get offended or triggered but I'm going to say it anyway I think that a certain amount of bullying in social situations with kids is a natural and possibly healthy thing because it conditions children for the realities of life now of course bullying can cross over into something that is extremely harmful uh, extremely psychologically scarring for a child. What do you think about that? I bully people too sometimes. I'm sorry. Uh, say again. So say again. I have I have bullied people too sometimes when I was a kid. So you I mean, bullied as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so would you would you agree with me? Uh, that's uh, by by the way. Yeah, it is a natural thing. And here's the thing: it's not because people feel feel bad about themselves that they have to bully other people. No, they actually feel better than the people they're bullying. I believe that is very that is very interesting that you say that. I believe that as well. It's a myth. It's a myth that people bully because they feel bad. If they really feel bad about themselves, they don't want to to attract their attention. I think that there are some kids who are so arrogant, so So. full of themselves that yes, they think they are better than the other kids, and that's why they bully, not because they don't like themselves. They they might be, but it's just a terrible way of showing it. But Uh, but, I mean, I understand what you mean. Like we all have to go through a a path of uh, maximum resistance. In yes. life, and uh, yes, like you, you can try, you can try to avoid it. But what's going to happen is you're you're going to be stressed just opening a letter in the mail. And <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck wants that? Yeah, I know. mean, so so yeah, I mean, like the strongest shall survive and all that. I mean, Louis Simmons himself, like uh, the 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 powerlifting coach, like he says it himself. Like he got bullied by everyone who could bully him, and he bullied everyone he could bully. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that is a certain he, he, yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, like seventy four years old or something yeah. like that, and he, yeah. he he carries it like a badge of honor. It's um, well, it's definitely so, it's definitely a real aspect of life. There is bullying. There are people who are going to try and exercise their will over other people. Absolutely, I mean that's yeah. it happens. And it's I mean, real exactly. And I mean, I, I never really got the had the woe wo is mean mentality. I, I never pitched to like. Oh, I'm getting bullied, so I don't know how to have a good life or uh, stuff like that. I mean, of course, I was sad and all that, but I mean, I, I mm. never really had that. Oh, you can't say anything about bullying someone. Or, like, obviously, I can think to myself that people are stupid and stuff like that, but I mean, I, I've always just, like, it, it was what it was, and uh, 
but no, nobody really taught me how to be a person who doesn't get bullied. Nobody ever taught you that? Not, no, your, not parents your parents? Didn't. Well, my dad and my older brother told me that, that next time uh, the guy uh, calls me a bad name, just go and punch him in the stomach. And uh, then one day I did something like that, uh, hit him or pushed him or something like that, or kicked him. And uh, then the, the teacher got angry and uh-huh. uh, called my parents. Yeah. And my dad got angry. And I told my dad, but you told me to do it. And he, he, got, he just uh, repeated himself, the teacher told you not to. I see. So, so it's, it's like that's a, that's a kind of way I was raised that there wasn't really a lot of logic to uh, behind uh, what was going on. That's <laughs> At least uh, not for my dad. I was just going to no, say. No, ad- no yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no admitting that you're wrong. None of that. I see. That's a bit of a. I'm sorry. I don't want to say anything bad about your dad, but that's kind of a dick move to tell you to to defend yourself like that, but then yell at you when you do defend yourself. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really yell at me, but like. He is grumpy, and from yeah. his point of view, he, he thinks that he speaks normally. That's just, <laughs> I see. It is rough, but uh, like, uh, I mean, what the fuck can I do about it? <laughs> well, so. well, you know, there's a lot of people who would say, you know, I messed up, you know, this, that, and the other is messed up in my adult yeah. life because of what happened when I was a child. And I understand we are the product of our entire life, and that includes our childhood. But would you agree that there comes a certain a po- certain point in our adult life where we have to um, exert our willpower over the circumstances in which we were raised and start learning new ways to yeah. tackle life? Yeah, I mean, when someone tells me that, I try to be patient and remember that maybe it's not that they are weak, maybe, maybe they are worn out yes. and they are too tired yes. to at that moment take responsibility. Yes. But inside my mind, I want to punch them in the head and tell them to <laughs> not the fuck up and move on. Like You need to work uh, some more on that empathy, my friend. <laughs> Keep working on it. <laughs> we, all have, we all have animal, we have primal instincts, you know? Sure, like, sure. I mean, sure. everyone, like, everyone has the uh, capacity and ability to kill someone in, in at least some type of circumstance. Sure. Like it's, it's not like we actually go and do it, but we all have these uh, type of primal emotions. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. So I mean, I, I don't, I don't go around punching people in the head for, for no, opening the, up about their past. I mean, that that's, that is strength in its own way. Um, so long as it do it for the right purpose. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. The primal yeah. urge to do things like that is there, but it is our logical mind that has to overcome that so that uh, we don't get thrown in jail. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. if, if, if there wasn't a jail, then a lot of the people who who talk about following the law, like, they would do horrible shit yeah. just yeah. from that one change. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, they say it's immoral to do something illegal because they just don't have the nuts to do it. I mean, because they, they risk they risk being punished. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are so, so many topics we can open up from. Up oh, yeah. Them. Yeah. What the fuck was I about to say? Um, <laughs> <laughs> do, do I talk too much? <laughs> no, no, I, I enjoy it, man. That, that's why we, we both do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah but that's a, to me, that's an interesting topic. This whole thing about uh, um, we are the product of our upbringing. And, and I'm a believer in that, but I'm also a believer mm-hmm. in doing something about it. In other words, fixing the things that are wrong. You know, nobody was brought up perfect and some people were brought up horribly, but 
either way, at some point in your adult life, you have to take it. It's like people who, for example, were raised, as they say, raised to be racist. Uh, you can be raised to hate black people, or if you're black, you can be raised to hate white people, whatever. But in your adult life, when you get information, it's your responsibility to process that information, which then leads you to a new way of thinking that racism is stupid. You know, uh, yeah. When when does the when does your own adult experience kick kick in and start guiding you? You know, when are how long can you blame your childhood uh, for your problems? Well, I think that depends because, of course, there's uh, what you were trying to get at that we have responsibilities to expand our minds, and then yes. there's the other the other part of uh, environmental upbringing, like where I live when I went to school, like. If I saw a black person, I fucking looked at them, maybe even stared at them, uh -huh. because I was not used to seeing that. Yeah, but that's not racist. Uh, no, no, it is not. That's curiosity. But then you add, but then you add the fact that uh, some, a lot of jails are, are packed with black people, and we have uh, gypsies coming from nearby countries yeah. and, and stealing from us. They even steal people's uh, wallets right in front of a security camera, just because they know if they get caught, they get a fucking hotel room in prison and they get money. Yeah, yeah. They get money to yeah. buy stuff for in yeah. prison and they get they can send a bunch of that money to their families. Yeah, there's no incentive for them to not commit those crimes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, like, if you kill someone, then it's a bit different. But if you do something like stealing or selling drugs, you will go, go to, like, an open prison, which is essentially you have your own room. It's not a cell. Yeah. It's your own yeah. room. You have a bath, a bathroom, not just a toilet yeah. near your bed, yep. like you see in movies. No, no, it's like it's like a summer camp. Yeah, it's. Uh, of course, you're surrounded. You're surrounded by immature idiots, and uh, there's but, but it's, it's yeah. like a summer camp. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, I mean, so 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 imagine how how people where I, where I uh, grew up how how they would be thinking like every time someone said there's i have a friend from this country like a lot of people their first thought would be fucking immigrants you know yeah <laughs> that kind yeah. of someone where, where they, they know not everyone is like that and they, they know there's a possibility that they are li being lied to in the social media that most people probably aren't criminals but they're just so tired of people coming and messing with us like even like eight years ago uh, uh, in the, it came up in the news that there were some people uh, immigrants uh, Islam people who were protesting that we put up Christmas decorations on the street because they don't celebrate Christmas and there were a bunch of people who wanted to vote that we never do that again and, I, and that, that was just like that's just fucked up and I, and I don't believe that most people want to do that no I'm, no. I'm not I'm not trying to justify racism no I'm just saying that when you live in a, in a place where you don't see a lot of people from different countries you, you don't really get to experience what kind of culture they come from right. and you hear all these stories and all these people do this uh, type of, of bad things but how many how then many you, you are bound to have racism ah uh... I have to contend with that a little bit because I I, I want to ask yeah. how many of those stories are true. There's a lot of mm. intentional spreading of lies, 
about immigrants. Nice. You know, there's, there are people, of course, who are very much against immigration. And some of those people are very good at spreading falsehoods, false rumors. You yeah. Know, it might have been, it might be one, you know, person or one group who says, uh, you know, we are Muslim and we don't want uh, uh, Christmas decorations. That, that offends us. It might be one person, but these other, these anti-immigration groups will spread that and make it sound like there's thousands of, of immigrants all over Norway or all over Denmark who are saying that. Yeah, no, no, there aren't. And, and to be honest, we don't have that many ghettos in Denmark. Yeah. And it, it, it's not like the ghettos are filled with, with, with immigrants. There are also Danish uh, criminals, a bunch of them, and banditos and hell sure. angels and stuff like sure. that. Yeah. But uh, you have to go to a ghetto, and we don't have a lot of that, to find th- that kind of scene where black people are standing at a corner or outside an apartment building, uh-huh. and they might talk shit to you passing by. And if you talk back, they might stab you. But it's not it, it's it's not all over the place, all yeah. over the country. Yeah. It, it's not. No. Like... Uh, what is the total population? What is the total population in Denmark? I don't know, seven, eight million people. Okay, okay. So not what, that many. What's what's a program you were going to mention? Yeah, a television program uh, five years ago, something about uh, homosexuality. They, they talked about uh, homosexuals being beat up in the street for being home, uh, being homosexuals, and uh, uh-huh. like uh, as an experiment, the host of the program, or like at least the, the man who was funding for the camera. He said, okay, so, so these guys over there, they look like bad guys. Uh, and uh, and uh, and there is a lot of homosexuality going on around here. Let me hold your hand and walk down the street and see if they do anything. And one of them got so fucking angry, stepped stood in front of them and told them not to do it. And because the, 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 the man, who was not a homosexual, but pro- suggested to do it, yeah. he said, no, don't be like that. He went to his fucking scooter, uh, popped the uh, popped the seat, and uh, pulled out a, a screwdriver and told him, "Don't uh, stop holding his hand. I'll stab you with it." Oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah, and I, I have been stabbed by an immigrant also who was in a fucking wheelchair. I mean, I, I punched him out of his wheelchair because in a he wheelchair. Me. Yeah, yeah, he, he he wanted to die, I think. Uh, but um, <laughs> wanted to die, he but, must. But, have. Uh, like, I, I don't think that that just because some people uh, are from Islam, they they think in such a bad way. I don't think that Islamists are homosexuals. I know a lot of them aren't. I talk yeah, to them. Sure, sure. And I don't think just because I got stabbed by an immigrant in a wheelchair, I don't think that uh, that, that that handicapped people and people from other countries uh, are bad people. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and that's, and, and that's good because a lot of people do think that, that way. You know, uh, they'll, they'll hear yeah. some, they'll hear some anecdotal um, uh, occurrences, anecdotal evidence of this, that, and the other about a certain group of people and they just blanket the entire group with that. And that's where we start yeah. running into problems. But you said something. You said you know that because you have spoken with them and i believe that having that dialogue having that exposure having that contact with different um different aspects of you know whether it's religion or different cultures or whatever having contact with them breaks down those barriers and it shows that people are pretty much the same everywhere pretty much it's a law of repetition the more you talk to them the more you are the, yeah. the, the better view you you you, lo- you have at them towards them exactly and uh, like if you are in a ghetto and you see some black people uh, acting stupid and you say well they are black so black people must be like that then you are the stupid one <laughs> yeah you know I, I I try to take it on an individual basis that guy 
is an idiot. Oh, oh yeah, he happens to be this, that, or the other beside it. But I try to take it on an individual. I don't try. I do take it on an individual uh, basis. I get so irritated when I hear someone say, yeah, well, everyone has a little bit of racism in them. That is not true. I don't. I have zero. I don't know if that's a Danish thing, but you will hear that in Norway quite a bit. Everybody has a little bit of racism in them. Come on now. And I, I, that I, sounds about that's, that sounds about as useful as when someone says that that every 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 female has a prostitute in them. <laughs> well, I, I I look at it at I look at it as this: that person that says that everyone has racism in them, that person probably has racism in themselves, and they don't want to be lonely, so they try to justify yeah. that. Yeah. That's my thought exactly. Fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so need your reaction to justify the way you look at life and the Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Listen, Matthias, I have to. I do have to cut this short. I could talk to you forever, man. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and and I want to say I want to say this. We will talk again. I will absolutely invite you back if you uh, if you would like to come on again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I still I have a lot of questions about your training that I want to ask you next time. Yeah, you know we actually had so. that as a topic that we were going to talk about. So I uh, I promise yeah, you I will I will invite you back and, and we can talk all about that. Uh, I love good. Yeah, I love talking about my, yeah, my training. Yeah. Yeah, I just tend to want to talk about other shit because I've done training for so long, you know. Yeah. It's all the same to me yeah. a lot of times. <laughs> well, well, I like I like conversations like this because it's not one dimensional and and I am a yeah. I am a uh, advocate for showing people that people who are active in the fitness world or the training world or or if you're a powerlifter or whatever, you are also so much more than that. And I think you've shown absolutely you've shown that you uh, you you have more aspects Uh, in your personality, more aspects in your daily life. Uh, you're more of a philosopher, thinker, you know. As, as thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I, and uh, it's pretty cool. That's cool stuff. I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, I used to be all about training, and I mean, it was a boring life, very boring. And and my training suffered from it. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, again, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, doing this episode. And uh, you're more than welcome back. I consider you a friend. You are no longer someone I just know from Facebook. Now you're a friend. I call you brother now. Okay, I call you friend too. There we go. Okay, <laughs> Matthias, thank you so much, and we will talk yeah, again you're soon. Welcome. Okay. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, my Take friend. Take care. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. Okay, everybody. That was Matthias Bugstrom Andersen from denmark what a guy what a guy and what an episode thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the coming home podcast with john allen bye everybody i'm coming home, home.